behind the shade. Well, I know it's been a couple of months since we spoke. So um, how much has happened in regards to the nonprofit? Because when I went back and I listened to our interview, like that was such an amazing thing you're doing with the tutoring and everything. Thank you. Um, you know, one of the things I need to get better at is, and this is something I teach my students, to, to recognize those little achievements along the way. Um, because it's like I have this to-do list and I'm crossing things off. And sometimes I forget how much has been done, you know, how much has been achieved already. Um, but right now where I'm at is I have a whole staff of people helping me volunteering. So I have someone helping with the fundraising, helping with the marketing, helping with the volunteers, helping with the bookkeeping. Like I have everyone kind of doing their things, which is really nice. Um, the culturally responsive and trauma-informed course that I created is done. I just have someone looking it over and then we're going to put it into an online format for potential of selling it later because it's good. Um, and it was a lot of work. <laughs> We have, new, we have volunteers who have been onboarded, who have been doing their thing and being ambassadors. Um, I've applied for a few grants. So got, we got a lot done. With me, um, yeah. things have been actually busy. I took the month of April off, but I was able to do, man, I've done since September of last year, I've done over 100 episodes. Really? Yeah. That's, yeah, and that's you, not just the filming, that's the editing and the publishing and all that too. Yeah, um, I've done so many. I think you were number 30 something. I used to do, huh. at one point I was doing two to three a day. Oh my gosh. Yeah, the amount of people that I've met and the connections I've made, it's it's been amazing. Now what I'm looking to do is um, going into 2022, I'm hoping to be interviewed, network, and then bring on mm -hmm. more and more sponsors and go from there now that I've laid the foundation and I have mm -hmm. um, the guests and the and the base already. So that's my goal. Awesome. Yep. It's all a process, right? You know, it's kind of doing every little thing, laying it all out, and then it just keeps building. Yeah. I didn't realize, because um, I know you've been, um, you've had your own business for a while. I didn't realize how much work goes into it, especially in the beginning. You're, mm -hmm. You are every single worker you are the accountant you're the marketer you're the boss you're the worker you're the making maintenance. all the decisions yeah everything and it's hard because there's not a lot of payoff in the beginning besides the crossing things off the list and meeting milestones like a hundred you know um there's just not a lot of payoff so sometimes that doubt creeps in of like is this worth it like is what i'm doing gonna gonna make a difference. I know this past year, one of the things I did was really work heavily on my website. Um, and it was, it's a lot of work to go through and improve a website for so many reasons. But now I'm getting emails of people who are saying, we want to be on your website. We'll pay you to write an article for you. We'll pay you for this. I'm like, that's what I took a year working on for is for things like that. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, it worked. <laughs> you know, it actually worked, yeah. but it is a long it's a long game, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. I was, I was telling people, um, if you give up, if you can't make it mm -hmm. to year one or two, mm -hmm. forget it. You have to be in for the long haul. And I think so many, well, maybe not you and I, but there's so many people, they only see the finished product. They don't see yeah. like the athletes. They don't see all the, all the basketball shots they did or the hockey mm -hmm. pucks they shot into the net or the football passes they must have thrown. They don't see all the hard work you did. Like you tell someone, you spent a year on a website 
to them, they're thinking, oh, it wasn't a couple of days. Like, no, this took me blood, sweat, and tears. It took me 12 hour days, eight hour days. Mm-hmm. This took me not seeing my girlfriends, my boyfriends, you know, mm-hmm. none of that. Yeah. And it's funny because then I talked to friends and like I said something the other day about how I was having trouble sleeping because I was a little bit stressed and they were like, you're stressed. <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you do all day? So I guess it's good because I'm not putting it out there that I'm, it, it doesn't seem like I'm overwhelmed, but I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> like there's a lot of balls in the air. And you're right. That first year is probably the hardest because you don't really see the fruits of your labor. The second year is hard too, but at least you're getting a little more momentum, you know, like you're like, okay, but it is a lot. One of my friends just started a business and I said the same thing to her. Your first year is going to be the hardest push through. It will not be like this forever, <laughs> you know, but it's, it is very, you just, will not see friends. You will not have a life. Put your head down and work. It's totally worth it in the end. So yeah, you realize that it's not for most people. No. Yeah. The, the thing is though, I have a lot of friends who work this way, who work these 12, 13, 14 hour days for someone else. And they're not getting any recognition or any pride from it. And so I, at least like, this is mine, you know, and I really believe in it. And so like, yes, I'm putting in all these hours, but it's something I love. And, and while there's risk and it's a little scary, you know, I'm, I'm totally accountable. So nobody's going to fire me. I'm not at the whim of other, you know, people, this is literally, it's all mine. And so there's a little motivation in that too. That's why I love having you back because you're going to tell me all about it (laughs) and all your success. That's right. So let's officially get started. And I want to welcome everyone to another episode of Behind the Shades. I have, you know what, I'm going to introduce her. She's one of the first people I interviewed when I started all of this. You know, she had an amazing story, amazing journey, and she actually made me remember my childhood from my high school of all the beautiful and strong, well, my teachers were kind of older, but all the nice (laughs) and lovely teachers who helped um, shape my life and educators who provided me with so much direction. I have Lindsay with us. So Lindsay, tell us a little bit about yourself and let everyone know who you are. All right. Well, I'm so glad to be back. Thanks for giving me the chance to come back and talk about my favorite topics. Um, I am the founder and CEO of a tutoring company called Worldwise Tutoring, which I started unofficially a decade ago. I didn't really know what I was doing when I started it. I would say we've been doing, you know, actively running now for about six solid years. <laughs> um, before that, it was a little bit kind of figuring it out as I go. And then about six months ago, I started a nonprofit called Educate, Radiate, Elevate, which is also a tutoring company, but it's really geared towards students who couldn't afford the services, um, but are 100% capable and um, show a lot of promise and just being able to give them, you know, the services that will help take them to that next step. Perfect. So let's catch up. So what kind of services do you provide um, these students? Because I know the last time we spoke, it was those who needed the guidance. So let's be specific. What kind of services does Lindsay and her nonprofit provide? Oh, so for the nonprofit, um, you know, both of them are similar in that a lot of people come to us because of the surface value symptoms. We have a low grade in a class. I have a low score on a test. Um, Maybe there's behavior issues or focus issues or um, procrastination issues. There's something going on on the outside, uh, a surface symptom. And 
When it comes down to it, I really believe that everyone is capable of learning. It's just a matter of finding a methodology that works for them. And that's not to say that, you know, we have to totally differentiate everything for every individual person, but we should definitely be making our learning more student-centered. Um, and what we do with the tutoring company is just that. So we really focus in on, you know, what I call glows and grows. So what, what are the students' strengths? What can they work at? Which also feeds into what we do with a lot of mindfulness and growth mindset and goal setting. Um, we do, um, we have a lot of conversations amidst our tutoring where we're really addressing their anxieties, their worries, their doubts, um, in ways that I know we were talking earlier as a business owner, sometimes you're the only one going through these and you have really no one to talk to about it. And I think a lot of students, especially kids, kind of feel that way too. No one gets it, no one understands. And so really helping them to know they're not alone, but also give them mechanisms of how to manage those emotions, not bury them, but how to manage them, um, how to build resilience, how to come out of a challenge better than you were going into it. Um, and then we also work on a lot of the nitty gritty skills, you know, the planning, prioritizing, task management, um, all of these things that just aren't necessarily taught, but you have to know. I don't care what job or field you go into, you have to know it. We just kind of expect kids to figure it out. And so I found um, that by actually working on those underlying skills in a really personalized way, all of those other symptoms start to be alleviated, you know, because now they're more engaged, they're more hopeful, they're um, more motivated, they're excited to learn, they're having fun learning, all the negative feelings around it are gone. And then the grades improve and the scores improve and their attitude improves. And the parents are telling me my house is so calm, this is awesome. And I'm like, yeah. So that's really the way that we approach things is at a, in a holistic way. And I honestly don't know how any educator can't look at people as whole people and actually expect to get anywhere. <laughs> so that's what we do. And it's really fun. And that's a beautiful way to put it. I know the, I know when we initially spoke, and even when we touched on it today, um, teachers are so important. And I know that I gave my example the first time we discussed and, and it's out there for everyone to enjoy. I look back and the appreciation that I have for numbers, for research, for reading, um, it was something that was nurtured, I guess, is the best way to describe it back then. Because growing up where I grew up, that wasn't something that was, quote unquote, cool. You know, like, you know, people used to call you the nerd, the geek, if you had your nose in the book and things like that. Right. But to hear that you're helping students improve their grades. And I know when I asked you this question the first time we spoke, if you see a little bit of yourself in these students, I guess to go on top of that, how does it feel, Lindsay, for you to help turn around a generation of teenagers and young adults may be similar to the way you've turned your life around for yourself. It's, it's overwhelming sometimes to think about the ripple effect that this has. Um, and I almost, that's part of the radiate word of the nonprofit because I've seen it firsthand now being in education for 20 years these students who came to me one way and through working with them in whichever you know manner that might have been as a teacher or a tutor or whatever it is, they come back to me years later and tell me how this thing I did, which at the time I didn't realize how powerful it is, 
completely impacted their lives. And then, you know, I hear from parents about how it changed the home. And then you hear about now as adults, how they're going out and they're being leaders in the world. And some of them have even gone on to do educational things, whether it was in college, just being a tutor or, you know, tutoring on the side for a nonprofit, but they've found such a love for learning that they now want to share that with others. And they're using those and sharing those strategies with others. And it's crazy. Um, I never thought that that was going to be an impact. Really, what I'm just doing is the best I can do with the kid in front of me (laughs) at that moment. Another strange side effect has been my tutors. Um, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had of, if I'm teaching this to students, I should be doing this myself. And how they've changed their mindset and how a lot of their self-doubts and their negative self-talk and, you know, all of these things start to become alleviated as they put into practice these strategies they're using with the students and how this is really their outlet, their creative outlet, their their place where they're getting immediate gratification because that kid goes, oh, I get it, or oh, I'm so happy to see you, or whatever it might be. And we don't often get that in real life. So it's been interesting to also create jobs for people that are inspiring um, and that make them feel good about their role in the world. And I mean, really, what else is life about, you know, than getting out there and and making an impact and helping others? I mean, that's that's where you feel best. Yeah, we all have that purpose. And it's was like the saying, reach one, teach one. And something that may be so small to us is so grand to another person. Right. Like you're shaping the future of everyone you come in contact with. And I know that sounds grand. Like, and we're talking like yeah. it's something so small. Right. But I think that's the purpose of teachers. I know that we talked, it goes from the parents to the teachers. And then that person, man or woman, goes into the world and they become as productive as they can be. Um, what if sometimes someone would have come to you? Because we all have our own personal struggle, our own personal issues. Has there been a situation where you saw someone and they came to you um, maybe broken in some way? And when you saw that, that, that person, you felt a strong desire to say, this is someone I want to make whole. And when they reach that wholesomeness and that oneness, how does that make you? you feel seeing them going to the world and maybe making someone else whole as well? I think that the first time I felt that was my first year as a classroom teacher, um, where kids that were the problem kids um, were moved to other classes, constantly shifted around because a teacher couldn't handle them and they would move them to another one. And when they come to my room, they were there to stay. Like I would start the school year with 30 and end with like 45 because they never shifted them again. They were mine. I wasn't going to give up on this kid. I wasn't just going to move them somewhere else because what message is that sending to them, you know, underneath it? I'm going to do what it takes, whether it's before school, after school, during class, I'm going to find out who are they and I'm going to meet them where they are. And they were no longer problem kids (laughs) by doing that. They were often became my best most helpful students where I couldn't even walk across the campus without them rushing to me. Can I help you carry stuff? Can I do this? And I'm like, who would have thought, you know, this kid who came in with this terrible attitude is now my closest ally. And really, you know, it's, it's 
quite simple to do with kids because they are so, they're so eager to be accepted and understood. And, you know, if you do everything from a place of love, and I'm not to say I wasn't hard. I mean, my room was a very tight ship, but they knew what to expect. They knew what I expected of them. And I had high expectations for them. I didn't lower it down because you're coming a certain way. I believe that you can do that. And I'm going to push you until you do, but I'm also going to support you in a way that's caring and loving rather than a way that makes you feel bad about not getting there. Um, and I think that it sounds so overwhelming in the sense of how do I even do that? But a lot of it just comes down to talking to them like real people, you know, and that's who they are. They're so used to just being treated like kids and, you know, told what to do and when to do it and how to do it. And it was a more of just, let me figure out who you are and let me meet you in that place and show you that I accept you and love you for that person that you are. And I mean, it's, it's incredible what comes from that, you know, because I think it just makes people feel empowered and supported to take those risks in their learning or to um, embark on new challenges, knowing that they have some, someone has their back, you know? As I look back and I, I came from a neighborhood that wasn't the best, it wasn't the worst. Mm -hmm. And many of us, or many of my friends at that time, we just wanted an opportunity to be heard. For me, it was a little bit different because <laughs> I just didn't want to be like everyone else around me, right? I saw the impact of the neighborhoods. I saw the impact of um, certain behaviors that weren't leading anywhere in life. So I wanted to be different. So that was my drive to, to get out of there. And long-term, I don't necessarily think that's maybe the best because it seems, and I have this issue with someone that actually reports to me, when you have something to prove because you're competent, because that person you have to prove it to is someone else, what happens when you remove that person? Mm -hmm. Now you have to find a source of ambition and desire somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But in your situation, your experiences with these kids, are we able to find a source of inspiration within them that maybe isn't going to be so reliant? on you because you can't always be there for them as a journey through life. One of the things I started doing from the very beginning as a teacher is I, I tried to use my classroom as a platform to learn the rules of life in a way that was low risk. Um, and in that, what I mean is I want them to experience firsthand the feeling of pride of, of doing something on their own. Um, of figuring something out on their own. I want them to feel that it, even if they had to go through frustration to get there, I want them to feel what it feels like to, to achieve something. Um, I also want them to know what it feels like to not achieve something, but to learn from it and grow from it and, and to know that they're coming out of it empowered. And so I specifically set up situations. I do this with tutoring too, and it's hard <laughs> because I have to hold myself back sometimes of not just jumping in and helping when I see they're frustrated and when I see they're struggling because I don't want to be the crutch. I don't want them to link their success to they have to have me sitting there next to them. I, I want them to struggle and I'm sitting here and I'm not frustrated with them. I'm not angry with them, but I'm like, you can do this. I know you can do it. And I really only do that in situations where I truly know they can do it. Like we just did three problems like that. 
I know they can do it, <laughs> you know? And so I slowly, you know, give them more and more challenging, but I want them to feel that. And at the end, it's like, I can't even, sometimes I'll say, no, 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 let me try to figure it out. You know, like they don't even want, they, they know they can figure it out. And I mean, what a great gift, you know, to know someone is there in case you need help. And if you have tried on your own, my kids know this, if you try on your own, you can't figure it out absolutely ask for help. There's, I'm not going to make you feel bad about asking for help. That's, that's life. It's a lesson in life, right? You're not on your own, but I want you to try on your own first. Um, and there's a lot of value in that. So no, I tell my tutors all the time, I want you to be more of a coach than a crutch. I don't want them to associate their success with you or think you're a miracle worker that comes in once a week. We do a lot of, um, building their independence and their confidence before we do a lot of other things, because I think if that confidence and independence is there, then they will slowly by nature pull away from us and try to do things on their own. They're kids, they're curious, they're innovative, they're problem solving. I mean, they want the opportunity to do that. And it's funny because even in the pandemic, the comment I've been hearing a lot from kids is that one of their favorite things about being schooled at home is that they have to figure things out on their own. They like that. Um, and so I, I think as educators and as parents, we try to like shield our kids from any kind of struggle. But I, I, I know for me, not only does it provide them with the resilience so that later on when I'm not there, they're okay, but it also gives them those feelings to keep them motivated and going um, in times that are really hard. Do you think we'll ever be able to pinpoint the origin of some of the struggles of the of this specific group of children? It's, it's funny that you ask that. Um, with the nonprofit, I've been working on how do we reach kids, especially who have experienced trauma. And it, it doesn't even have to be personal trauma. It could be generational trauma. It can be community trauma, societal trauma. Um, and to be honest, if we're talking about the kids currently right now, they are so heart-centered and such big feelers that the stuff going on in the world that kind of doesn't even relate to them impacts them. You know, this is, they, they are, they're like sponges sucking it all in. And so I think even if there's not an identifiable cause or a point of, you know, in their life where this kind of went down this path, I feel like all of the children in this coming generation really benefit from tools to empower them to what do I do with all these feelings? They have the feelings, which is great. It's hard to teach someone to care. They care. Now, what do we do? You know, how can I, rather than dwell in it and spinning around and I'm anxious and I'm worried, what can I do about it? So I, I, I even, you know, while I am trying to reach kids that, you know, have experienced trauma, as I'm going through a lot of the strategies and all this, I'm like, you know what? I kind of feel like these work for everybody. I mean, everyone, if you really sit down and talk to them, they have a story that will break your heart. You know, everyone's experienced something um, that has very much shaped who they are today. And so I, that doesn't, the kids aren't an exception to that. They've, they've had things as well. And I think we are getting to the point where we have that balance. I think you're in my generation. It was more so we don't cry. A couple of years later, I think there's a group of us that all we did was cry. Yeah. <laughs> right, And then you would ask them, okay, what's wrong? But they didn't know how to describe it mm -hmm. because they're just so emotional. But now yeah. to mm -hmm. your point with everything that's going on, I think we're having that balance because not only are we feeling 
what's going on, the pandemic, the injustices, the whatever it is you want to name it. But now it's like, I feel this way. What am I going to do about it? Versus our generation was more solution. We didn't care how it felt where everyone else was more problem. How do we fix it now? It's a mixture of both. And with that said, in relations to you specifically now, how are you continuing to make your dent in the universe and helping to correct some of the things that maybe you feel need to be changed for the better? I think my there's there's so many things that need to be righted in this world. Um, there's a lot, if I sit here and really think about this, especially in this past year, and especially with a lot of the injustices, I mean, there's been a lot of tears this past year. But I really, really think that, and maybe this is, you know, <laughs> because I'm in the field, but I do think one of the best solutions, it goes back to education. And that education isn't necessarily a book and a worksheet. The education can be firsthand experience with certain people or in certain situations. Um, having somebody tell you another side that maybe you weren't aware of because you only were being fed this side. So just the, the accumulation of genuine knowledge and being empowered to form a decision that's informed off of that, I do think is a really big stepping stone. What I What is unfortunate is that the access to information is not equitable. Um, it's, it's uh, we're, we're continuing to divide society even further at the very beginning when kids first enter school. Um, they're being put here, they're being put here, this neighborhood's here, this school's here, these teachers go here. And it's just from day one, we're dividing and ingraining these ideas in people's heads that are too narrow. And while there is, you know, a lot of, oh, internet, da, 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 I do kind of appreciate the internet because I think that's part of why this next generation of kids are so open-minded is because they're learning more than what we're giving them. They have access to a world of knowledge. And because of that, they're so open-minded. Um, and they do care about human human rights and equity and, you know, people being able to live their lives like they should. Um, and so I guess with all that being said is the way that I'm doing it is trying to show people that learning is the key and here's how you can access this, this knowledge and here's how you should question the answers and here's how you should um, come up with educated conclusions and here's some ways that you can take deliberate steps and take action. And those, a lot of that is mimicked in school. You know, a lot of the things they're doing in school can be applied to life if you shed it in the right light. And so I try as much as I can to make things uh, related to real life so that they can see that there's a connection there. And I would agree that in the school is probably the best um, place to create that. But it allows us to listen more, like open our ears, open our hearts, understand, because I think the source of many of the things that have come to light or many of the things that has been discussed in the last 18 months is that we're not listening to everyone else. If you were to come to me, Lindsay, as an example, and you had a situation that was unique to you, 
I shouldn't shoot that down and say, well, that didn't happen to me, so it can't be real. We should listen. Yeah. We should understand. And I think, as you mentioned, it starts at a very young age because there's many things that I haven't been through that you may have been through and vice versa. Or there's many things that someone over there may go through that you and I will never experience. But it doesn't diminish that it's happening. And I think many of the kids that you deal with and just going back on the conversation we had the first time and and now it's that their perspective is their perspective and to be bounced around if you compare that to adults what is that going to do to your self-confidence so if yeah. we expect adults to be affected yeah in such an impactful and potentially negative way and we have all the tools because we have the lived experience we have the knowledge we have the critical thinking how much more do you have to be careful with our children who are doing that as well? Yeah, I mean, the, yes, <laughs> I agree with what you're saying. Um, and this is, people who aren't in the education field might not realize how political education is. The number one priority is often not the students. Um, and that's unfortunate. It's become a business, you know, it's, 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 it's about the numbers that they're pumping out. The number one goal is to get these kids out of the school and graduated and to have that number. Whether they have the skills for life or not is not the point. They need to get them out and graduated. That's how they get their funding. That's how they're marked as a good school or a bad school, um, among other ways that are also very arbitrary and make no sense. Um, and so, yeah, I think that to kind of go along with what you're saying, one of the things that, you know, I try to do as a tutor is be a positive interaction with an adult, knowing that they may not have that otherwise with someone who they can rely on, who enjoys being around them, who supports them through the ups and downs, you know, who isn't like, what, you failed that test? But like, okay, let's talk about it and figure out what happened. You know, I still have high expectations, but I'm not gonna let it slide, but I'm also not, I don't hate you because of it. You know, I'm here to be with you and I'm going to ride this through with you. Um, and so I think that that's valuable to know them that, to show them that they're valuable and they're worth our effort and our time to help them in a way. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen very often in schools for a lot of different reasons, and I'm not pinning it on necessarily the teachers, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just gotten too big. I think the school districts have just gotten too big. Could you get to the point where you're teaching groups of people in different districts, different states? Like how wide do you feel that you're able to cast your nets now that it's now that from what you tell me you have a pretty solid foundation you have a pretty good reputation when it comes to the children that you're dealing with now are you talking about my tutoring company specifically i'm talking about you and everything that you want to do yeah. <laughs> so this is actually one of my new ventures is okay i kind of cracked the code in how do i intertwine into lessons it doesn't have to be separate curriculum i don't need hours and days of training. How do I intertwine into my interactions with students, deliberately intertwine these lessons on mindfulness, you know, metacognition, executive functions, and I figured it out and we're doing it. 
And so now I've just been hitting the ground doing things like this, going to schools and saying, this doesn't have to be a big, crazy, daunting thing. You know, a lot of it is just changing our mindset, changing the way we talk to them, changing the opportunities we present to them. Um, and honestly, it's so much more enjoyable and, and, and a lot less work. <laughs> it, it comes down to be, it's, it's a lot simpler in the end because we're doing things like taking the onus off us and putting it on the kids, which is good for them. Um, but we're still setting up the structures for them, but then giving them that autonomy and that confidence within that structured environment, which I can go on and on about why that's valuable to them. Um, so yes, I've been trying to share it because I'm like, well, if we're doing it here, what if they do it here, they do it here, they do it here, and then that spreads and that spreads and that spreads. And especially with the pandemic, which has been devastating and sad for a lot of people, I do think it's opened a lot of people's eyes to the need for this because once you let these kids go home and they didn't have someone telling them, do this, do this, do that, they were just lost. And so people are going, wait a minute, we need to teach kids these skills. We can't just expect that they're getting it because they're not. Um, and so there's, that's been good. I've had people show a lot of interest in that. And, you know, I'm happy. I have a ton of resources on my website, on my social media. I'm also giving a ton of things out for free, just little advice here and there. Like we were talking earlier about the kids who are anxious, like this is Mental Health Awareness Month, May is. And so I've been giving lots of tips about how to help your children with their mental health. Um, so there's there's a lot of, of information out there and it's not as hard as it sounds. It's actually really easy. Imagine the day where you look up and you see a school with your name. Like how cool <laughs> would that be for you? It's funny because even with the businesses, people are like, why don't you put your name in it? This is your legacy. And I'm just like, I'm never one that would be like name and lights kind of thing. But it's that kid who writes me an email five years later who tells me, you know, this had an impact on me. That is like, and I know it sounds corny, but I, I can't even, I'm screenshotting those, sending them to all my friends and family. Like, this is so cool how you literally have that lasting of an impact on someone that it's changed the trajectory of their life. Like, seriously? <laughs> so beyond <laughs> the name being on a school, yeah, I mean, I'd love to do like a TED Talk or something too. I would love to do stuff like that, but um, I mean, I get a lot of rewards already. So, which is probably why part of why I love my job. If there's one person just like you said, that turns around and says, Terrain, I feel better in life because of that conversation you had with Lindsay, because I was one of those kids that was lost. And now I listen to that and I feel there's someone out there. That right there is worth more to me than any paycheck, any amount of money, because I know that when I'm long and gone, I'm still going to live on through a memory of someone else. And it sounds like it's the same way for other you. people and other people and other people because you impacted that person, which impacts everyone around them. And then so it's it's incredible. And that's how humanity should be. It should be about helping others and bringing out the best in each other. Um, and yes, there's a little selfish component to that, like it makes us feel good. But I mean, that's a great thing to feel good about, you know, that's the best feeling. And mm -hmm. and you're right. Um, that's how it, it should be with all the people on this earth mm -hmm. i'm reaching people outside of my country and you're reaching people that's going to continue to speak about the impact that you had maybe long after you're gone mm -hmm. how does that make you feel when you sit back and you think 
about that, that you, Lindsay, is going to live on longer than your years on this earth? I mean, I will tell you, especially with starting this nonprofit from scratch, I've had moments where people have said to me, why? Why are you doing this? And I've been like, why am I doing this? I am broke now. <laughs> I'm working, you know, 90 hour weeks. Like I don't have a life. And, and then I, that's what I keep coming back to is it's going to have an impact. And like, that's not measurable. And, and that's, that's, enough to keep me moving through those times where I doubt or um, I have maybe a setback of some sort and I'm like, oh, why did I do this? It's that knowing that this is a good service. We're doing something really powerful and it is going to benefit not just one person or two people, but it's going to have that ripple effect and benefit count people. I can't even count how many people. So that's when I pull that one out (laughs) and I'm like, well, wait a minute. Um, this is worth it. Absolutely. Any, um, any last words, Lindsay, before we close today? I would just say, and, you know, cause I feel like a lot of this was talking about, you know, reaching those people who might seem to be difficult to reach. I would remind parents and educators and honestly, just anybody, as long as you are always doing it for whatever you do from a place of love, like love is your first reason behind it, then it will be seen that way and it will have a positive effect. It may not have been the quickest or most efficient or whatever it might be way, but it's going to work. And so I know I get a lot of parents who have, you know, the guilt and a lot of teachers who are like, I don't know how to do this. I don't have enough time. And I just kind of just always say, just do everything from a place of love and it's going to work itself out. And I would just encourage, you know, people listening to, you know, am I doing this from love? Okay. Then I'm all right. 